everybody trying to introduce the show, but Lee's got so many Star Trek opinions. I, I just too many opinions. <laughs> Plus, I didn't know that you hit the button, Rebecca. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Well, I and didn't he hasn't been on the you. show, so you know, it's, it's, oh. it, he needs to per get it out. You know, not since those old scientists. It's, yeah, it's so, been a bit. So essentially, welcome, welcome aboard the Great Ship, the Space Show Show. I'm your host, Lieutenant Commander Rebecca Frost. Join. Whoa, you got Rebecca a promotion? Jackson. I did get a promotion. Lieutenant Congratulations. Commander. Yeah. Wow. And then we're joined by Admiral Kerry Jackson and also uh, Commander Robert Neal, who he feels like he doesn't deserve the title, but the, he's so oh, extremely on. knowledgeable that he absolutely yes. deserves the title. Yes. And he's our Lee, uh, special attache from Memory Alpha. Indeed. And Lee, <laughs> I don't know if we ever assigned you um, I, I was a told role. I was a Commodore. Ooh. Okay. Commodore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lee George Cade, welcome to the bridge. Deep Space uh, Four. Be here. <laughs> and uh it's a very it's a very special day here on the space show show we're talking about some more season two episodes um but before we talk about those one just want to issue a quick apology i did not put in the hot flirtatious conversation between Riker and guinan at the end of last week's episode um so apologies i said i would and i didn't is go watch the episode you know it's it's yeah how, how do you lose it's Guinan and Riker flirting come on you know maybe if I'm smart maybe if I'm smart enough and and remember I'll do it on this one spoiler alert she won't uh <laughs> <laughs> so who who goes to who when Riker's hitting on them on board the ship because uh, on the on the Icarus Factor, I'm not going to talk about the Icarus Factor but I, I, I'm going to mention that uh Riker's hitting really hard and heavy on a lieutenant in 10 forward and uh yeah, like, that, that what's is the deal there woefully inappropriate uh by like where's standards. hr where's the h right. who's chief of exactly. hr on the is, is, is Troy involved with that is she covering up for riker's indiscretions because she's so hot for anxiety um <sighs> you know these maybe are Starfleet, questions i need answered maybe starfleet has uh different uh, kirk inspired rules perhaps yeah well we don't tolerate <laughs> those shenanigans at starbase 4 i'll tell you <laughs> maybe riker is chief of hr who are you going to report oh, him to him right? he's god you know yeah um also before we talk about these episodes i just want to give a quick congratulations to our friends who swept the 2024 saturn awards um if you don't know what the saturn awards are the saturn awards are presented annually by the academy of science fiction fantasy and horror films these awards were created to honor science fiction fantasy and horror and film but have since grown to reward other films belonging in the to the genre of fiction as well as television and home media releases but let's just take this is a long list of the awards won by our star trek friends best animated series lower decks yes best science fiction television series went to both picard and strange new worlds they split I don't I don't know. That's awesome though. I, no, well, that's great. Because also, um, best actor in a television series, both Anson Mount and Patrick Stewart. Best supporting actor in a television series, Jonathan Frakes, Ethan Peck, Ed Spielers, and Todd Stashwick. Well done, Todd Stashwick. Oh, I was gonna you say go, you should you should have just given it to Todd Stashwick for that yes. performance. Yeah. Absolutely. Who yeah. was he? Just Captain for that... PTSD. Yes, just for the speech about sitting in the bar and and being a, a, a you know a grease monkey from Chicago. Here you are, you're all alone. celebrating Locutus of Borg. Let yeah. me tell you where I was when Locutus of Borg came. Great Who speech. is he in Strange New Worlds? He's not in Strange, or, um, New Worlds. Strange New Worlds. Yeah, yeah, I see. Yeah, I misspoke. I corrected myself. He's Who is the he? uh, he's the captain, captain of the Shaw. Titan. Captain Shaw. Yeah, okay. Captain okay. Shaw. And okay. probably my favorite captain in the history of Star what, Trek. What a great captain! Yeah. Really. No, 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 no. I mean, not not because that as a character, like yeah. okay. When nope. it comes when it comes right down to it, I'm I'm a Riker boy because that guy yeah. will ram anything, you know, but, but, <laughs> romantically uh, or physically. But Stashwick Stashwick showed up and in a short period of time gave you a character and you 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 started hating him and then you loved him and that was terrific. Yeah, like, was well played, that. well written. Shaw deserves the Shaw was right shirt more than Cyclops does. <laughs> so, uh, we also have best supporting actress in a television series going to Jess Bush, Celia Rose Gooding, and Jerry Ryan. Oh. And then best guest star in a television series, Amanda Plummer and Paul Wesley. So, well, congrats, cool. congrats across the board to all of our Star Trek. Not only that, not only that, Indeed. the cast of the Next Generation received a Lifetime Achievement Award. Nice. 
which is huge. So congratulations to all of our friends who won so many awards finally after all these years. I was just thinking about Jess Bush the other day, how hard her, her role is to play because not only is this a, a well-established character with three seasons of storylines, uh, she's played by... Well-established. Well, well-established by female standards in TOS. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, but, but there's already a story there. There's already a character there. Making that character your own with the baggage of that person being played by the creator of the show's wife and the mother of one of the executive producers of the show you're on. Oh, those yes. are huge shoes to fill. I didn't think about the mom. Part. Yeah. Yeah. Not only that, oh. she's Australian. So she's pulling off. I, I'm acting's magic. It's <laughs> Australians. <clears throat> they're, they're, they're who you go to when you need an actor. Yeah. Um, and they come in here taking our jobs. Taking yeah. our jobs. <laughs> Used but to be a the, time an American boy could go get a superhero gig. Now some Brad or Ozzy comes in and takes up. <laughs> Uh, let's I'm just going to leave it alone. <laughs> the, I'm just going to be completely alone. <laughs> uh, today we're talking about Contagion, The Royale, Times Squared, The Icarus Factor, and Pen Pals. So uh, starting with Contagion, encountering the superior technology of a very ancient race creates system malfunctions for a doomed Federation starship, for the Enterprise, and for an eavesdropping Romulan warbird. Uh, this, uh, this episode is just planet has virus Uh uh-oh and uh it's before we understood computer viruses worth of crap so like this was super Mm -hmm. spooky to us like Mm -hmm. what if my commodore comes down with a virus (laughs) (laughs) oh knows? so the picard and the enterprise are responding to a distress call from its sister ship the uss yamato um which is facing a a number of serious technical glitches um they've lost 18 crew members when its computer turned off the force field and into an open shuttle bay um the ship is stranded in the neutral zone why are we doing in the neutral zone first off and then picard is like okay guess i'll come get you and i feel like if i was captain and somebody was in the neutral zone i would be like sorry you're sol you don't go there but picard ever loyal behind (laughs) ever loyal leave no ship behind we gotta go save our friend um and but you know before they can properly assist um scary glitching scary ancient tv glitching happens and the ship <laughs> um explodes with everybody lost which is a shame because mm-hmm. captain varley's mustache probably could have saved everybody oh he yes. was fantastic <laughs> that mustache uh, was phenomenal the explosion results uh the explosion appears as the result of a failure in their matter antimatter pods um but picard suspects it may have something to do with a relic the yamato's captain obtained at an archaeological dig on a nearby planet um in his personal logs the captain spoke about a probe scan of the ship from the iconia planet uh, as they are in the neutral zone they are shadowed by a romulan warbird led by captain terrace and the romulans are like hey same question what are you doing here and picard responds with what are you doing here and it's just, <laughs> and uh it's just a you get out of here no you get out of here uh until all systems start glitching mm-hmm. um there's also a probe that uh appears to come scan the ship and Jordy in I love when Jordy gets to do stuff because yeah. he he puts together that this probe is going to royally mess up their ship. So he run, 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 runs, gets, he's, uh, LeVar Burton giving it his all stunt wise in this episode. Because... Oh, that elevator scene was pretty intense. He's trying to get to the bridge and the elevator is just throwing him around like one of those fair rides that mm-hmm. spins and you get stuck to the wall. Uh, he finally tumbles onto the bridge and tells Picard to destroy the probe. And the thing I love about Star Trek so much is a man comes tumbling out of the elevator into the bridge and says, destroy that probe. You don't think twice. You listen to the man and you just do it. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. that's one of my most favorite things about Star (laughs) Trek is just the belief in everybody. Well, I just, I just think it's wonderful that the uh, ship of the future doesn't have a firewall or a virus <laughs> protection, perhaps. It is the Iconians. I and mean, can you protect yourself against a virus from a technology that so far outstrips yours? Yeah. Like, I okay. mean, what, right. I was, what I was super <laughs> impressed with when the Yamato exploded, I mean, not the greatest 
effects by our standards, but by 1989 television syndication standards, oh, watching then, yeah. watching the saucer section just boil away and that like, was nuts. That was yeah. rad, and I mean it felt <laughs> bad. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Well, yeah. and also Wesley <laughs> uh, takes the time to go find Picard to talk about his feelings. And not well, once Beverly's not there. That's true. Uh, but not once was it, Wesley, we're in the middle of something. Could we talk about it later? No, no. But he he, he listens. To him. He listens. But <laughs> I... And not once did anybody ask him why his acting ends in onesie has a fly on it. For pissing. Yeah, no. <laughs> now I got it. Now I got to start paying more attention. Yeah, no, he's 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 got, he's got like a, it's like a, a toddler's union a suit. Like, yeah. Yeah, the <laughs> delta on the front. It's, it's like some costume designer said, well, he is a child. Let's give him... Okay, now I little, gotta. Yeah. Now I gotta look for this damn it's, thing. It, it is blatantly um, obvious. It, oh, yeah. It's like weird. I've never paid attention. Like, oh. to, I've never I paid attention about, to that part of Will Wheaton's uniform. No, I think about being fifteen, having to report to a set where people are already sending you hate mail, and oh, yeah. the costume designers are like, "Here's your acting ends in uniform." By the way, it's got a P flap. Um, unrelated. Uh, I would like you to seek out Will Wheaton's Will Wheaton's response to Elmo getting absolutely rattled on the Today Show by Larry David. Um, it's actually very sweet. It's actually I I don't like Will Wheaton just as a person. Um, that's my own. That's my own. Okay. My own. Um, but he posted I don't know where Facebook maybe a really nice response to the fact that Larry David throttled elmo on the today show and it's actually not a good thing and and what that meant to will wheaton and how that emotionally affected him affected him as a child of abuse and talked about how his father would abuse him and how sesame street was an escape and a safe space for him and so larry david doing that is actually really damaging um anyway seek it out it's really good um anyway uh this probe um while scan it turns out um was trying to download some software onto the enterprise it downloaded the software onto the yamato and it, the 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 programs are incompatible and that's why the yamato exploded and so the software is technically already on the enterprise um and so they got to find a way to rewrite it picard sees this as an opportunity to do what he wants and archaeology <laughs> archaeology yes. this is yes. the beginning this is the beginning this is actually a <laughs> The archaeo uh, Picard's archaeology plot armor started this episode, and it, can, <laughs> yeah. it carries on forever. That's true. Um, because Riker's like, okay, we're going to put it together an away team. We're going to go down to the planet Iconia, figure this out. And Picard's like, no, I should go. I'm the one who's researched Iconia. I want to go do it. I want to get my brush and my belt, and I want to go do it. And Riker's like, I have no choice if you want to go okay and so they beam down to the planet um and they find um iconian technology that allows them to open gateways to other worlds that they could travel through light years as easily as crossing a room and um we deduce this is probably what happened to the iconians right like they went through a portal and never returned and so instead of going extinct they're probably just scattered throughout the galaxy right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um one of the portals leads to the Enterprise, and the cycle repeats every four minutes. Um, Data manages to gain access, but he gets he gets the old jolt and uh, is taken out of commission. And uh, Picard tells Worf to take Data through the portal to the Enterprise when it rolls around next. <laughs> Picard's like, I want to do this adventure on my own. <laughs> but uh, I never get out into the field anymore. Uh. <laughs> They they figure out a way. Picard, our data is able to kind of tell Picard, you know, a way to destroy the planet by destroying its power source, um, and over. Well, they're gonna override the launch stuff. Blah 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 blah. Picard's gonna stay back and do it all. Um, back on the Enterprise, data shuts down. Jordy declares that he's dead. The loss of his best friend, but then data reboots and he turns himself out back on. Turn himself off and back on again. That's yep. the way to fix things is turn yep. it off and turn it back on again. I'm rebooting, sir. Yep. <laughs> uh, Data reboots, and they he and Jordy figure out a way to fix the Enterprise by unplugging it, turning it off, turning it back on again. Essentially, yeah. 
Um, <laughs> Picard executes the probe launch, and he runs out of, as he runs out of time. He takes a portal onto the Romulan ship, and so our friend Picard finds himself trapped on a Romulan ship. Um, but our good friend Chief O'Brien finds him, and right as the Romulans are about to, he Picard hi, hi, <laughs> gets to leave on a Picard one. Out. He leaves on a, I think not today, <laughs> Captain Terrace, and beams I away. I would have forgiven Picard a double middle finger you know, as, as he beamed <laughs> that's, away. That's I would have forgiven a, that. That's more well, of a Beckett so, Mariner. Yeah, it is. But yeah. what I like oh, about yeah. this moment, too, is Captain Terrace has a look on her face that, to me, looks like relief. Like, she also doesn't want to start a war with well, the Federation. You know, you know, the paperwork is just... The paperwork insane. alone. <laughs> so, to me, she has this look on her face like, thank God, I cannot deal with this today. <laughs> um, the Romulan ship, however, because it has been probed, it is set to self-destruct. And so Riker very nicely says, all right, we'll send them over the instructions to fix it, but get us out of here. And they zip right on out. And the thing I like also about Star Trek is there's no follow-up on these things. Like, do we ever find out what happened to the Iconians? No. Ever? I, they're mentioned. Oh, really? Yeah. Are they? I think so. Oh, okay. I think they might be proto-humans. I could be completely wrong. I though. trust your memory, and you know. No, do not. Do not. <laughs> <laughs> because my time, in, my time in the hospital means there's a lot of Paw Patrol sprinkled out throughout my memories. Oh, so okay. oh, I'll be like, well, you know, fascists. Ace the Dog came to Iconia. <laughs> um, this episode, so interesting, because I got so frustrated about all the hand waving. It's like there's so much hand waving going on. Mm -hmm. yeah. But then they turned around and saved it by them reaching out to the Romulans. Like just that little that little hat tip of oh we're we're explorers, we're scientists mm -hmm. we're we're not yeah we're kind of the military but yeah we're not just gonna leave these people stranded on an exploding ship they may be our our enemies that we may have had a hundred year long war with them but why leave this ship to die mm -hmm. when they were just there investigating why we were here in the first place and I I loved that that little mm -hmm. that little tip of humanity that took all of thirty seconds to resolve and it made me go that's Star Trek. Yeah, That's prior to that, it was yeah. Good, point. Good yeah. point. Good point. Some trivia for this episode. This is the episode with Riker's iconic line: "Fate protects fools, little children, and ships named the Enterprise." This is based on a statement by 19th-century German Prime Minister Otto von Bismarck: "God loves children, drunkards, and the United States of America." <laughs> Bismarck, go for it, brother. <laughs> okay, there is uh, there is a follow-up in Deep Space Nine where the USS Defiant goes to destroy an Iconian gateway on Bandros 4. Oh, um, okay. So, they so do, they're only they mentioned once. They're only mentioned once again, but, mm. but they're not. Right. I, I, sorry, I got them mixed up with the proto-humans, which is like a season six episode. That's that's coming, yes. yes. <laughs> Obviously. Also, yeah. this is the first time that Picard orders tea, Earl Grey, hot from the replicator. And due really? to ship-wide malfunctions, that order is unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. Huh. First time. You, had a drink like, machine you, you his, think you're thinking about it, Lee? Under his desk, you'd be okay. You thought, yeah, you thought it was sooner? I, I thought it was like, you know, first scene in the show. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, Riker and Data whistling on the holodeck and Picard drinking tea. But mm. <laughs> There you go. Um, later on, he proves himself to be the most English Frenchman alive. I can't wait to talk about it. But this <laughs> next episode, one of my favorite episodes, the Royale, Worf, Data, oh and Riker God, find Rebecca. themselves trapped in a recreation of a poorly written novel. Let's go. This, I love when well, Brent Steiner <sighs> gets to do stuff and he gets to do stuff. <laughs> I know why you like this episode so much. It's because you love escape I like bad rooms. books. You I like do escape love escape rooms. rooms. <laughs> and that's essentially what this whole thing is. is it's you an were escape excited room. about Morbius. Like this is. <laughs> I'm excited about wow. how bad Madame Webb is going to be. Oh, Let's God. go. So. <laughs> I mean, I know you love a train wreck. I love a train wreck. Uh, the Enterprise is advised by a passing Klingon vessel of strange debris in orbit around a nearby planet in Theta-116 system. And upon investigation, they find a piece of a NASA spacecraft that has the word NASA and the U.S. flag on it. Because hell yeah, brother. Mm -hmm. uh, 
the planet below has severe weather with an ammonia atmosphere, temperature of negative 291 degrees Celsius and winds of 312 meters per second and a toxic atmosphere except for one small area that appears to be uninhabitable by humans. The spacecraft from that era could not have traveled this far because NASA, this goes back to the V'ger in um, mm. whichever Star Trek movie that the movie. is. The first one, yeah. The first one, yep, thank you. <laughs> and uh, The moving uh, picture. In addition, this also seems to be hit by weapons from present time. So Riker, Data, and Worf beam down to the surface only to find in a black void a single revolving door, leading them to the casino floor in the Hotel Royale. Now, right away, I got to say I was impressed that they knew how to use a revolving door, unlike Kirk. Which, well, which we'll get to that. <laughs> but no, wait, wait, the- wait, wait. <laughs> He didn't know how to use a revolving door because he's from a fascist uh, alternate timeline. That's not. Oh, that's not door. Right. No, that's that not. <laughs> that wasn't Prime Kirk. That was Kirk oh, from a different timeline. He didn't. Fascist, he didn't grow up on. He didn't grow up on Earth. Don't okay. believe in revolving doors because of equity. So, sure. uh, also in the previous episode, <gasps> oh, <wow>. Doctor Pulaski <laughs> tells one of the one of the medical officers to set a broken leg with a splint and he's like what is that and she Uh, says made with she says it's ancient technology where you take two pieces of wood and if it were me i'd be like what's wood (laughs) i don't have any of that here on the uss enterprise we got got our wood we got our wood trim up on the bridge that's about it don't you think they could like replicate something that would do that but also if the replicator is yeah. broken remember the earl gray tea oh, Hot. oh but, they, but they have so, no, they this have is an the royale their, nothing's wrong the with the ship here they have a what they have an arboretum on the enterprise so they've got yeah. trees on the enterprise right they do oh. have trees on the also it was the last episode that everything was broken this episode everything's yes fine. yes the, the royale well, things are not broken. all <laughs> Things in this episode are not all as they seem. No. So our friends on the away team find that they are trapped in a casino and cannot exit. The phrases weren't work either. Been there, baby. Who else among us has been trapped in a casino and can't find their way out? I worked in one for six years. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Talk about trapped. (laughs) They have lost communications with the Enterprise, but Troy is still able to sense what Riker is feeling. He's amused. Love runs deep. <laughs> Love runs deep. That's honestly that's the hand waving I did to, because when they lost communication with the Enterprise, but Deanna could still sense what Riker was feeling. I was like, "That's true love, baby. That was just true love." <laughs> um, the assistant manager of the hotel says to our away team that they have been expecting them a bellboy tells the manager that he's in love with rita but the manager discourages the bellboy as rita is with mickey d the hotel is full of guests and an overflowing casino bustling with activity none of the people in the hotel are emitting life signs they exist but they do not register as humans or machines the assistant manager insists that they are in on earth none of the guests interact with the ua team and there are no other doors or windows in the hotel that's just a casino uh (laughs) (laughs) and this hotel is made to resemble 20th century earth so this is absolutely a casino in the 80s um and then back on the enterprise uh picard has jordy and wesley working on finding new frequencies because they gotta give wesley something to do so as they explore the hotel, they find the remains of a human who has been dead for several centuries. And this is NASA astronaut Cole Ritchie, or Colonel Ritchie, Colonel Ritchie, who was on the Colonel. ship, <laughs> thank you, that the Enterprise found. They also found his diary and a cheap pulp fiction novel that seems to be the story taking place in the hotel itself. The astronaut has been dead for 283 years. In the diary, Colonel Ritchie notes that the ship was infected by an alien life form that infected and killed everybody on board the ship but him. The alien life brought Ritchie to the planet and kept him alive out of some sense of guilt. The Hotel Royale was created using the novel as a reference for Earth's preferred lifestyle. Ritchie (laughs) survived in this environment for 38 years before dying. And Wesley finds a way to create communications links so that they can talk. So they tell Picard, this is all based on this book. Picard... (laughs) listens to an audiobook version of the book (laughs) (laughs) and hates every second of it um and in this diary too it turns out (laughs) yes rob (laughs) oh god he's he's i'm watching him listen to this book with deanna and i'm going and i'm watching his reaction it's like two words for you picard dixon hill 
Yes. Yeah, yeah Picard. But that story you get off. <laughs> I I love I love that as as a hackneyed as this story is is kind of awful and delirious this episode is. They did one of my favorite things that the book actually starts with. It was a dark and stormy night. Yep. <laughs> oh, it's so good. And this and in this book too, this man just or in the diary, Colonel Ritchie describes this as essentially like a hell like the he is stuck in hell and i guess one man's hell is another rebecca's retirement plan in mesquite you know i was gonna say yeah, yeah. no no I, I hate to tell you the biggest problem with this casino i've worked a few casinos uh, there were only three blackjack tables and approximately a dozen slot machines which means from a gambling perspective it's in a trailer but it there had was a craps multiple... table they taught, oh, yeah, they, one taught craps table. they taught data how to play craps did and they? he's only he's only betting on the pass line like somebody i didn't catch that i must have gone i must have passed out oh but, yeah uh, but I, texas, I i'm pretty sure he's only betting on the pass line <laughs> texas the only guy in the in the simulation that actually talks from to lubbock texas lubbock texas oh i um, thought it was I, I thought it was nathan arizona i'm sorry yeah i was really <laughs> upset because he's the least obnoxious blackjack player i've ever seen <laughs> You would think his fit in the hat, you'd think he'd be more obnoxious. Absolutely. But instead, he gives Data the hat. And this is, Data picks up on social cues and interactions so well. The way he's slinging dice with an air, with an aura of smugness, telling the, the fake woman to blow on the dice for luck. You know what happens and when you do that in a real casino? Yeah. What? They you have to shut the table the down and switch they out the, the dice. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. yeah, I had to do that six or seven times a night. So fun. I've, I've seen it. I've seen it happen in real life, and it's yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Picard and Jordy create a plan to slice through the shield to transport the away team, but the atmosphere would rush in, and the team would not survive for more than twelve seconds. Mm -hmm. Uh. When Picard is listening to the audiobook, he discovers that it ends with Mickey D making an appearance and shooting the bellboy to keep him away from Rita. He tells Riker that post the shooting, um, foreign investors buy the hotel for $12.5 and leave the hotel, leaving the assistant manager to run it. Riker's like, we'll be foreign investors. Money's not real. This place is not real. So we are, <laughs> they are, um, they kind of come up with a way to to raise enough money to save the community center. They need to raise twelve point five million in order to artificially buy the hotel. Now, so they so they play craps to get the money. Now I got to ask Lee, being a yeah. professional, yeah. Um, I wouldn't have chosen craps. I would have chose twenty one if I was going to try to make that money. Right? Oh, I don't know. Crap, craps is the easiest way to make money. Is yeah. it okay? All right. Well, in my opinion, no. Lisa I don't understand no, but... the game. So. No, the the only game that you're actually, I mean, because you got to play to break even. You can't play to win. Uh, the only game that you can play to even try to break even, it's only a uh, forty eight percent chance of breaking even, is just playing uh, zero or double zero on a roulette table. Oh. Um, when it comes to craps. You can win aggressively and quickly, but you got to be able to get your pass line bet going. You have to get full odds. You have to be able to hop the hard ways. You have to get full odds on your six you and eight. Got to get on the horn. Got to play you gotta, the field. You got to get all that stuff going. And even then, you got to make sure that your croupier is really good so they can make sure that your payoffs are accurate. So, But more importantly, your robot needs to fix the dice so that they yes. work in your favor. <laughs> yes. I've, so... I've, seen, I've seen people that made $100,000 in one night lose 250 the next. So it's, uh, wow. it's you don't yeah. win gambling. You just don't. <laughs> no. So once Data fixes the rigged dice, um, they miraculously win 12.5 million dollars buy the hotel uh and leave end of story best episode ever it's a bottle episode. you forgot the whole well, well it's a bottle episode but you also forgot the whole copacabana storyline because i'm watching it with the uh the bellboy and and mickey d and vanessa and i'm just kind of like what is this for? oh my god it's copacabana it is totally it is. copacabana it is, but at the same time, I also made a note with the with the bellboy talking to the nightman or to the desk manager, you know, about uh, you better stay away from Mickey D. He's a bad egg McMuffin, that Mickey D. Product placement. That was the only uh, note. They could have done it. They could have done a brand endorsement with McDonald's and had Mickey D walking in with his big moon head. 
Oh, Mac tonight. <laughs> yes. That yeah. Been Mac great. tonight. Yeah. Uh, this big, this big styrofoam moon head. And you come to like, you got to stay away from Vanessa, kid. It's me, Mac tonight. Yay. <laughs> big Mac's at the casino. Get ready uh, to double down on flavor. I think I love this episode. This is another Tracy Torme episode. Uh, so uh, Tracy, ha, shut up. I think I love these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so Tracy Torme wrote the Royale as a story of a man trapped to relive his most pleasant memory until it becomes nightmarish. He was dissatisfied with the final product, which bears little resemblance to his original concept and used the pseudonym Keith Mills in the credits. Wow. Uh, also, this episode airing in 1989 predicts that Fermat's last theorem would have gone unsolved for 800 years as of the mid-24th century. It was actually solved in 1993 by Princeton University professor Andrew Wiles. In 20, uh, 2016, he won the Abel Prize in recognition of his accomplishment. So, Wow. Obviously means go. that Star Trek is not in our timeline. Obviously. Well, they also Obviously. corrected it in Deep Space Nine. Oh, they corrected that. They corrected that in Deep Space Nine. Dax, nice. Dax was like, "Oh, yeah, nice. Hmm. Maybe it is on our timeline. We'll get there. We'll get <laughs> <Yeah>. there <laughs> someday. But until then, Time Squared. The Enterprise comes across its own shuttlecraft adrift in space, a duplicate with an unconscious duplicate Captain Picard inside. Oh man, two Picards. This episode." <laughs> no it's well, a prototype for two of the best episodes of next gen that are coming later it's literally I, like this is the test script for two phenomenal episodes i was manifesting one of my favorite tropes which is which one do i shoot but yes. alas um it's this episode opens um with mom and Riker making food for everybody adding zero spices yeah <laughs> <laughs> and all he makes is scrambled eggs. That's it. And he's being praised. What he the makes. Welcome. Oh, okay. you have a practice hand. So says yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Pulaski is I like, mean, yeah, you go Riker. You scramble those eggs. And everybody else is like, are you sure? <laughs> yeah. No, I know he, he later advances his skills to make pizza, but you know, that's, that's not much harder. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I love Diana Mulder's line though. She's like, "Oh, a practiced hand, Commander." I'm like, "He he Girl. just poured he just poured eggs on a skillet." That's all he did. Obviously, like, doesn't use nonstick like spray because that. <laughs> I mean, have you ever been to Cisco's restaurant in New Orleans? I mean, Papa Cisco's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, we haven't. Oh, sorry, Instead, Rebecca, we're sorry. making oh, eggs with we're making eggs on a non nonstick surface sorry. because Guys, let's let's let. <laughs> Rebecca, go back to simping for Riker's eggs. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm not. The man added zero spices. He had zero nonstick technology. That's true. No, nope. nope. and even he had to and he eggs. had to borrow that cooktop from Data, probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they make a meal and then uh, thank they make God. Eggs. Thank God something comes up and they have to leave because yes. uh, they come across a Federation shuttle floating aimlessly without power, but exhibiting life of one human aboard. They tow in the craft only to find it is one of their own with, to their amazement, a duplicate but unconscious Captain Picard. Uh -oh. Pulaski says that the duplicate Picard has his brain waves out of phase. Uh, so they attempt to wake him. Because uh, uh, which uh, leads to his life signs going dead. Uh, the normal stimulant had the opposite effect on the duplicate Picard. The <sighs> Enterprise provides power to the retrieved shuttle, but the phase needs to be reversed to make it work. Can anyone tell me what the, the phase what what we're talking about when it comes to phase? It's uh, uh, electricity, right? Hand um, Yeah, hand wavium. <laughs> <laughs> unobtainium. Flows <laughs> through the hand wavium, and and the polarity is reversed. You get you get power. Yeah, I just went with Magnet. electricity. I, How do they work? It's, it's, so it's Bizarro Picard and Bizarro Shuttle. And yeah, I just, just at that point you're I good. Just went, Picard's alternating the current whole and direct current. That's all I thought. I spent know? the whole episode just watching the shuttle because it's like it's so obviously plywood. And then when the <laughs> when the shuttle doors open, yes. they they they're like because eh, 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 they couldn't get the pulleys lined up exactly. And, 
It's just like, oh, it's God, guys. It's out of guys. phase. It's out of phase. Ah, oh, and it's, it's out of budget is what it is. <laughs> exactly. It's out of budget. And, and it's tiny. Did you notice how tiny yeah. it yes. was? Well, that's why yeah, from the outside, it doesn't look like a two-seater. No. They got better All right. shuttles than that. Anyway. So Data and Jordy managed to restore the power, and they determine that this craft comes from six hours in the future? The shuttle's log also reveals the Enterprise's destruction in the near future. And, of course, everyone is perplexed because Picard would never leave the the bridge in case of an emergency. Um, Pulaski manages to revive the duplicate Picard, and he is still, like, so disoriented. You could tell because they shot him from beneath, and he was going, <laughs> Such great acting from Sir Patrick. So, Acting. the bridge crew discusses all of their options, um, including reversing course, but Riker says that by talk taking the duplicate Picard on board, they may have committed to an unalterable sequence of events. Worf suggests that this might be a time loop where something has happened and it will simply keep happening again and again. Mm. Picard understands that a mistake was made in the future and the key to exit the time loop would be to avoid making the same mistake again. So Deanna, using her magic superpower, senses that Picard 2 desperately wants to get off the Enterprise. Uh, Picard 2 gets closer to the time from when he got thrown back in time. He gets calmer and his vital signs also stabilize as Picard tries to question Picard 2. Uh, but still, no answers out of him. Pulaski says that at the time in the future when Picard was thrown back, he would be functioning normally and possibly be able to answer Picard's questions. But Picard is angry. Deanna tells Pulaski that the duplicate Picard represents doubt and hesitation in the face of danger, and that's why Picard is angry. Pulaski says that if Picard starts acting irrationally, she will be forced to relieve him of his duty as captain. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also, it's around this time where I'm kind of starting to like Dr. Pulaski. Oh, I, uh... that's good. <laughs> <laughs> she's got five episodes left. Yeah. And she's never mentioned again. <laughs> it's the Poor best woman. thing ever. Uh, the Enterprise enters a dangerous energy vortex, and the events in the recovered shuttle's logs seem to be coming true. Picard and his crew must find a way to break the time warp cycle they seem to be in. Deanna says that the vortex is conscious. It has no thoughts, but instinct. Um, Picard thinks that maybe the mistake made the first time was to stay and find out what it was, which makes sense, of course, right? The Enterprise is they're scientists, they're explorers, they're going to try to figure out what this thing is. He orders the Enterprise to move out at warp 9, but the Vortex simply increases the pull and the Enterprise stays where it, where it is. A probe is launched, it's destroyed, the Vortex attacks only Picard, both both Picards, and the Enterprise is straining its engines to hold its position. Picard decides to leave the Enterprise as he feels that sacrificing himself might save the ship. Which is the whole cycle of events. Um... Picard, too, is conscious now. He knows he's on the Enterprise, and he knows that he needs to leave the ship in order to give it a chance to survive. Picard, too, says that the Vortex is an entity that recognizes the Enterprise as an entity, with Picard as its, air quotes, brain, and it wants the, <laughs> air quotes, brain. And if it gets the, air quotes, brain, it'll let the Enterprise go. So, <laughs> Picard, one, tries to talk to Picard, two, about what our other options might be, but Picard, two, is just a... He has made he's his focused. decision. He's, he's and singularly focused, yeah. Leaving the Enterprise is the only choice. Picard 1 understands and um, kills Picard 2 <laughs> with a phaser. Yeah. Uh, Picard takes the Enterprise to the center of the vortex and it vanishes. Uh, Picard 2 and the shuttle 2 are also gone. Again, I love when Star Trek does this. The end. Colmini's <laughs> <laughs> only dialogue in the entire episode is... That the Picard and the shuttle are gone. That's it. Like he just stands mm -hmm. there making facial expressions, like. Well, then... but the other thing is, he calls Doctor Pulaski to the shuttle bay. Where does she pick up O'Brien along the way? Just like, oh, by the way, Chief, you got anything? Are you busy? Come yeah. with me. We're gonna go check some shit he out. Comes along. Mm -hmm. and Picard kills the He's other just Picard. She just turns... And Pulaski <laughs> turns around and leaves. She's just like, oh well. I gotta go poop out I these eggs that here. I ate. <laughs> <laughs> And a wharf like them. Tummy. Yeah, at least wharf like. But by the okay, going back to wharf though, wharf is also nobody commented on the fact we got smart. I'm sorry, intelligent wharf on this one because yeah. he's the one who's yeah. you know, it's a time it's a time distortion thing, and nobody's like wharf. Hey. We got all these sciencey guys. And it's, it's not like wharf. he was hanging wharf out with the, the grown ups are talking. Wharf. Yeah, 
I just watched again, The Voyage Home. I have an but idea. Again, <laughs> that's what I love about Star Trek, right? Is mm -hmm. there's no bad ideas. And we'll, t we'll learn about this too um, in w one of the upcoming episodes because, you know, Wesley's talking, Wesley's struggling with um, responsibility. And, you know, Riker says, well, think to yourself, what would Picard do? And Picard shoot himself. <laughs> no, please. no, the alternate, the alternate timeline version of himself, he would okay, be like, okay. he was being such a pissy bastard this whole episode. He's like, I hate this other Picard. He's a, he's a giant wuss. I hate him. I'm going to phaser him first chance I get. That's true. Pew, pew. That's true. Yep. Um, would you do that if you encountered a, a duplicate of yourself? Obviously Duplicates. not. That Duplicate guy's probably me. cooler than hell. <laughs> that guy probably... figured out time travel. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, dude, let's go. Where are we going? All those concerts I didn't go to because I wanted to stay home and get stoned. God, I just feel like, let's go, Lee. Let's do I that. I could have been stoned at the concert. Yes. So time uh, travel, Lee, could take me to those places. I wouldn't phaser that guy. That sounds <laughs> awesome. A piece of uh, trivia that I just want to acknowledge about this episode. Um, Picard admits that he has trouble with waiting patiently, and Riker says that that's Picard's Persian flaw. In traditional Persian carpet weaving, it is standard practice to deliberately put in a few mistakes because attempting perfection might offend God. I reference this particular piece of culture nearly every day. Really? And I'm, yeah, I don't, I don't know why I learned about it somewhere along the timeline of my life. And I, that's why I say I can never be like perfect because I don't want to offend God. And that's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I just, I wanted to include it because it's something I reference like nearly daily and I'm just happy to see it in Star Trek. Excellent. Um, so the, uh, of yes. the 18 shuttle pods on yes. the enterprise. Yes. The El Baz was featured on this episode. Yeah, the Enterprise also has two shuttle pods named after Chris Pike. One's just the Pike, the other one's the Chris Pike. The Chris but the, Pike. Uh, yeah, the El Baz. It was I named like after the Chris Pike. You know what I mean? Real genuine <laughs> Apollo <laughs> geologist Rook El Baz. So this is it was named after a real guy, and his kids were next gen fans, and they didn't know that the shuttle had been named after their dad. And this episode comes on, and they lost their minds. Hey, our dad's because, cool, oh, actually. Our, our That's dad, awesome. Our dad's got a dinky little shuttle pod named after him. You know what? You get what you get, and you don't Two seater it. made out of plywood. <laughs> doors jank. All right. Uh, this next episode, written by Carrie Jackson and Lee George Kate, the Icarus Factor, <laughs> Riker's delight at being oh, offered God. a command of the USS Ares turns to frustration when the man sent to prepare him for his mission is his estranged father, and Worf's behavior leads Wesley to delve into Klingon tradition. God, the B plot of this episode! Oh, is oh God, incredible. the special cameo from Entertainment Tonight's John Tesh. Oh, I know, right. <laughs> Okay, so Riker is offered command of the USS Ares, and they're both he and Picard are like, "Hey, that's awesome!" Riker has twelve hours to think it over and make a decision. Think over his entire like, future. That's yeah. not enough time. <laughs> uh, they are stopping at a starbase um, where they are taking a civilian on board to brief Riker on his new assignment. And Picard, cheeky little monkey that he is, he's like, "I I think you'll like him. You should go down and meet him." And doesn't tell him who it is. And so Riker heads on down to the transporter room and beams aboard the civilian who turns out to be his dad, Kyle. Kyle. Now, Kyle <laughs> what a 24th century name, Kyle. Kyle, Kyle is sporting uh, a onesie from the Camel Toe Collection by a Hugo Boss. It's, it's stunning. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, and man. the look on Riker's face um, yep. just, oh my God. Looks like somebody guy? spiked his trombone with terrible eggs. <laughs> it's the first time ever uh, that we learned you never invite your parents to your party. That's just, no. you know, this is mm -mm. the first time that's ever happened. Yep. And Picard's on, on the bridge <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> um, and also... Dr. Pulaski, there's a mm -hmm. whole life that she has lived before the Enterprise. And honestly, I'm dying to know more because she sees. <laughs> well, Kyle you're going to die before you learn more. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she we're not going to we're not going to get young, young Pulaski adventures. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, she did. She did play a character in the original series. We can just pretend. Yeah, she played two characters in the original series. Yeah. She played two characters in the original series. One of them's got to be Pulaski. 
muscles. One of them. The blind one. That's the how blind, yeah. that's how she talks about curing blindness, how she's done it before. Yeah. It was her grandma. I like it. The, I like it. Put it together. Go um, with it. But she she sees Kyle in ten forward and she's like, Oh my god, this fucking guy. And uh we are led to believe they had a relationship. Yeah. Riker is just like uh, off in the corner yeah. puking in a bucket <laughs> um <laughs> meanwhile in the b plot Worf is pissy but also who can blame him because wesley is talking to Worf, just nattering on about pokemon or something and Worf is like stop talking and then wesley goes to jordy and data and is like why is Worf so mad at me and they're yeah, like Were you talking about pokemon wesley and he's like well yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then, um they essentially tell wesley like figure it out and wesley goes on a deep dive of klingon culture to find out what's wrong with Worf. and ultimately further on in the episode uh wesley determines hey i think Worf is pissy because he hasn't had a chance to do his um it's the 10th anniversary of his age of ascension and typically that day is spent celebrating with klingon friends and he doesn't have those and so Worf is feeling culturally and socially isolated and so wesley data and jordy decide to throw him a surprise klingon party on the hollow deck and if that's not the most wholesome thing you've ever heard in your <laughs> whole life i don't know what to tell you because... and i love what a weenie jordy's being about the whole thing he's like well i don't know we let sleeping klingons lie where i'm from so they ultimately uh, we'll wrap up this b plot ultimately yeah. deanna takes wharf to the holodeck where they where the the doors open i it would have taken everything in me not to shout surprise but there's just a, a whole bunch of of klingons and it's a surprise Klingon party just for Worf. And the the ceremony is painful. And they use a Klingon pain stick on and Worf. John but Tesh Worf, is there. John yeah. Tesh is there. <laughs> Worf must endure and get to the end of the line. It's like the line of birthday spankings. He's got to get through that. Yeah. And then at the end of it, Worf makes it. And he's very thankful to his friends despite being in extreme pain. Um, just an absolutely lovely b plot mm, now to the mm -hmm. a plot which is now not, to the a not, plot not so where, lovely not good. where riker is like i don't want to talk to my dad <laughs> and uh <laughs> i want to hit on this hot lady and 10 forward i want to hit on this hot lady riker having a conversation with chief o'brien in 10 forward and which chief that part like, i loved it was I, so good. It was that, so good. That moment in time was the best part of this episode. The only good part yeah. of this episode. That's how, that's how you know Miles O'Brien's the, the most surprise party. Well, it could have been its own episode. Yeah, <laughs> a very special yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah. But but then you're right. Riker gets up and leaves, and he taps a lieutenant on the shoulder, and he's like, "I'll see you later." And she's like, "Okay, yeah. what's all that about?" Because later, later when um. Riker's thinking about his decisions. You know, he's going around and he's talking to people. So, like, you know, he talks to Pulaski, and Pulaski's like, Do you know why your dad is this way? Because mm -hmm. of uh, a mission where he was the only one who survived. Like, isn't that nuts? And Riker's like, Oh my God. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, Riker goes to talk to Deanna, and they have a very emotional, sweet moment where she's like, I want you to do what's best for you, but I will miss you. And she starts crying, and he hugs her and kisses her on the top of the head, and I just love them forever. And then <laughs> Riker and his dad go in, to the you're gym. You're in for a rough couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> There's a moment. What moment was it? Um Oh, where the the Romulan warbird was going to like shoot fire, shoot phasers at them, and Deanna puts her uh, puts her hand on Riker's arm. There's a lot of like tender, subtle moments between oh, yeah. them that every time I catch them, I'm like, mm, "That's a spicy <laughs> romance!" Like I love them so much. But Riker and his dad go to the gym and play Ando Jitsu. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like discs of Tron, but stupid. Yeah, like <laughs> they this, had. The choreography here is spectacular. It's what they have like uh, Japanese samurai football armor and 
I was looking for ceremonial feathers for Riker, but he wasn't wearing them. Um, well, but, yeah, uh, just but I, but they have this conversation in their Ando Anbo Jitsu suits where um, <laughs> Kyle takes his off and is having a very serious moment with Riker, and he's like, "Hey." there has been a rift between us and I'm so, and I'm sorry. And I hate this. And Riker still has his helmet on looking and like a fool. They both <laughs> look like fools. I, they, I wouldn't play Anbu Jitsu just because of the uniform, just because yeah. of the, <laughs> you know, but they actually invented this thing, this Anbu Jitsu. Uh, it, it is, it is uh, Japanese and means dark or blindfolded. And bow means staff, of course. Jitsu meaning technique or skill. Uh, they made up this stupid sport for this where, episode. Where you do a lot of jumping up and down. Yes. <laughs> and a lot of just circling each other, right? I needed the fight music. Anyway, they reconcile, um, and Riker decides to stay on board the Enterprise. Real quick, yeah, it's like forty minute episode, and it's like minute thirty nine that he comes on the bridge and says, "I'd like to stay." I'm stay, <laughs> <laughs> but weren't you worried? Didn't you have an inkling in your heart that maybe, just maybe, he would leave? Yeah, I mean, no, I should have. No. I, right. I never, I never for a second. <laughs> so, the Klingon portrayed by John Tesh became a name in the official Star Trek customizable card game Katesh. <laughs> And oh. Mitchell Ryan, who played oh. Kyle, was originally a top studio choice to play Captain Picard. And, really? and of course, flying in the face of whatever Gene Roddenberry wants, they cast Sir Patrick Stewart instead. Exactly. Um, I think I think uh, there's something I noticed from these five episodes, too. There's a there's a helmsman who's either at the helm or just walking around who is built like and has the same hairdo as Freaks. I'm 90 percent convinced it's freak's stunt double they just he's there so they put a, they just yeah oh, i mean i, like I just it. i noticed him like every single episode in this five episode story arc that we watched this guy's either walking by or sitting at the home or something but he's got the swoop he's got brown hair he's about the same build about the same height and uh i mean no beard mm -hmm. i like it i like the idea sure it's possible um this last episode we're going to talk about pen pals data befriends an alien girl in distress breaking the prime directive while wesley commands his first team really quick about this b plot with wesley <laughs> wesley's put in charge of a first of all um the the bridge crew is all talking like oh do we assign wesley do we assign wesley some more responsibility and then they data goes to get wesley from the bridge brings him up to the to the um briefing room and if I walked into a room where the entire bridge crew was sitting there staring at me, I would shit myself. Um, because yeah. <laughs> am I fired? Am I in trouble? Like, are you guys mad at me? <laughs> Just like oh, my mom. I would probably, I would probably poop myself. So they give Wesley some responsibility, um, and he's now in charge of the Planetary Mineral Survey, um, which should explain why the system has become so unstable. And he has to command a team for the first time, and everybody is older than him. And so Wesley is like trying to come to grips with commanding, being in charge. And he says, "Okay, we should run. We should run uh, an X Y Z on this thing." And everyone's like, "Oh, I don't know. That's going to take like so long." And Wesley's like, "Okay," and goes to 10 forward talks to Riker and Riker's like well what would Picard do and he, you know Wesley explains Picard would listen to everyone's opinions and then make a decision based on those opinions and then also simultaneously when this has happened Picard is doing this exact thing where he's listening to everyone's opinions and trying to come up with a solution and I just mm -hmm. think that was some masterful storytelling and a, and a merry little chase around the prime directive Picard led them on too Ooh, we're going to talk about yeah, that. But when, yeah. so Wesley goes back to the people and he's like, okay, do the thing. And they're like, okay. And he's like, oh, that wasn't so hard after all. I do um, have a major <laughs> problem with that. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I've, I've been thrown into leadership positions that I wasn't ready for, either too young or too inexperienced. But I had the uh, skill of bullshit that allowed me to convince people <laughs> I was ready for it. And so um, you get people who doubt your ability and they second guess you and then you go get a pep talk by somebody you believe in and you walk in and you say do the thing and they usually just keep doing what they were doing <laughs> yeah um, you know what and lee's right on this one i've had a similar situation where i went from basically literally wesley situation to having to uh supervise 
former peers and they were just kind of like it's like though i just told you to do the thing go do the thing yeah whatever so yeah yeah i'm right there with leo now here's the thing neither of you have been in starfleet so I I am Commodore of Starbase Four, sir. I'll have you know. <laughs> these are these are Starfleet officers. So yeah, the best of the best. So maybe Luck, luckily, I I assumed the role from the previous Commodore Cade. Yes. Um, so <laughs> nepo, I'm a nepo baby. I inherited my role. So meanwhile, Data has been communicating with a pen pal of sorts. Um, he has established radio contact with this little girl named Sarjenka um, from a nearby planet. They have exchanged information for several weeks when Data finally realizes that Sarjenka's world isn't aware of extraterrestrial life, and as a result, he has broken the Prime Directive. So... Also, also the planet that she's on is experiencing some geological stresses that are breaking up other planets and their planet is likely to go the same way. So Data goes to the holodeck where Picard, all he wants to do is ride a horse. Mm -hmm. And this episode- In Griffith Park. (laughs) The whole time I'm like, I hope this episode is just Picard wants to ride his horse in the holodeck, but things keep coming up. And so so Data goes to the holodeck and explains the situation to Picard about how he's accidentally broken the Prime Directive and Picard's reaction, oops, chef's kiss i love he's he doesn't overreact he doesn't freak out he's just like whoopsie doodles another tuesday i see where we break the prime directive so this leads to a really good conversation piece where the whole bridge crew gathers and they are like okay so data has technically broken the prime directive do we or do we not step in to save this planet where does our responsibility begin and where does our responsibility end right Mm -hmm. and um you know picard does the thing where he everybody gives their input um some people say you know are um this planet's destruction is is faded and there's nothing we can do to intervene but then deanna is like well are we not part of that fate that we are here at this time right now to partake possibly save them um and picard uh he eventually rules that um uh he leads them down that path where he's just like okay um what if it was uh what if it was viral what if the planet was being destroyed by a virus and Pulaski's like absolutely mm-hmm. we intervene he's like okay what if it's you know like this it's geological they, they can't help themselves do we intervene and they're like yes absolutely and he's like what if it's a civil war that's been going on for hundreds of years and 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 millions of people yeah. are dying on both sides what do we do then i liked and, that discussion of the first yeah, uh, yeah. The prime, prime mm-hmm. directive yeah. Um, so Picard eventually rules that that the plea from Sarjenka is a plea for help and it cannot be ignored. So he asks Data to contact the girl and she they find that she's no longer contactable. So he allows Data to beam down to the surface to meet her. The surface is getting more and more unstable. So Data locates her and beams her back up to the stars. And- um, Brought a child on my bridge. <laughs> um, they bring to counter the implications of breaking the prime directive picard orders pulaski to purge sarjenka's memory of all communication with data and her trip to the enterprise pulaski performs the procedure data returns her to her home taps the window takes a quick look outside sees what a nightmare it is but makes the window go away goes back up to the enterprise by sarjenka never to be seen again unless she shows up later Mm, she does not but here's the thing he leaves the singing stone with her mm-hmm. data my man <laughs> now uh, you know she may i was gonna but still she she's gonna see she's gonna be looking at that and it's gonna trigger a memory and she's gonna remember everything someday it's the dr it's donna heaven. all over again exactly dr yes. donna um some trivia for this episode which is kind of spoilery for shatner's last appearance patrick stewart was not entirely comfortable with horse riding at the time of shooting later when filming star trek generations he shared horseback scenes with william shatner who was a horse owner and riding enthusiast and who amply displayed his mastery of control during their horseback dialogue shatner coached stewart and provided a great deal of help as well as various tips one such tip was that he could prevent one's pants from riding up by wearing pantyhose underneath this is true. And I kind of wonder if um, Shatner wore pantyhose under everything, and so Guaranteed. he's like, you know what, you know what can solve that? Pantyhose. <laughs> the troll top. That guy's that guy's good at two things. Well, 
Yeah, two and a half. Halfway good at acting. He's a really good equestrian. Uh, he, he's very good at horseback riding. And uh, pool accidents. Like, those are the, yes, absolutely. the two and a half things that he's phenomenal at. <laughs> yeah, he's um, Pen Pals, this episode, Pen Pals, aired April 29th, 1989. So this is technically the first episode that has aired in a world where Rebecca Frost also exists. Whoa. As I was born, April 27th, 1989. There you go. Um, next week, uh, we're going to wrap up season two of the next generation with six episodes there's technically seven but we're only going to talk about six which are q q one of them is the worst episode one of them is a mystery clip show uh so we'll talk about q q q who that uh samaritan snare up the long ladder manhunt the emissary and peak performance and then i didn't even have shades of gray in my original list until i was putting some stuff together and i was like wait a minute what do you mean there's another episode mm-hmm. just ignore it just ignore it it's just a clip show we're just gonna talk about can it, I, skip can, it. I, can i throw something out real quick yeah what's yeah. up i i haven't seen um the first three seasons of next gen since they actually ran yeah i realized well, you know, you that could do, you could just listen yeah. to previous episodes of the space oh no no and i, and I have I'm a, I'm a big fan but uh <laughs> what what i've noticed is um we were, i was watching on a black and white little like 12 inch tv in my one bedroom studio apartment um did not realize that the carpet with walls existed like there's carpet mm-hmm. on the walls on the enterprise mm-hmm. uh seeing it upscaled and in 1080p resolution it's it's a it's a very nicely shot show. Yes, it's very pastel, mm-hmm. but it's also interesting what thirty five years does to your perspective on an episode. Because when I saw Pen Pals, I hated it. I hated yeah. it. It was one of my least favorite episodes ever. And then as but I was then... watching it yesterday, I was like, "Well, this has some real subtle nuance to it. Like this is mm-hmm. this is philosophical Star Trek to a degree." Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, my my nineteen year old brain that just wanted zip pow blow them ups. Didn't, didn't quite get that. So Well, uh, just a couple of Makes notes that I had were uh, about Pen Pals was, uh, you know, uh, Sargenko, the actress is Nikki Cox. She's a child actress there. Oh, and didn't she, she marry will... Bobcat Goldthwait at one point? Broke his too. heart. Yeah. Okay. Broke his heart and left him for that piece of shit Jay Moore. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Oh, oh. that was yeah. Nikki Cox? Yeah. yeah. And she's been in a lot of shows. Uh, uh, but anyway. Yeah. Um, now, well, she it looks like she divorced Jay Moore in 2018. Good, oh, good. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and back to uh, let's see the uh, the Icarus Factor, the the worst episode. Uh, you know who else agrees with us? Uh, Patrick Stewart. Yeah, uh, because he he said that he he during the read through at, at the script, Patrick Stewart made it clear he did not like the script, and said apparently out loud. This is absolute bullshit. We can't do this. <laughs> there was a thing, especially in that last episode in Pen Pals, uh, a subtlety of communication between Riker and Picard that I loved because yes. Picard's yes. just like, we're right here. Number one, we're right here. And and Riker goes back. And like that repeats a couple of times where they're showing how over their head mm-hmm. they how, are. How deep are we? Yeah. So very subtle and so very, like you see it with Pike a couple of times where it's just like, yeah, we kind of have to, we have to bend our way around directive one, you know, yep. um, mm-hmm. good stuff, good stuff. But so, it's also, and, but this whole, whole series of five episodes also you, if you're looking at Picard and Riker's interactions overall, you can see that they've grown more comfortable with each other. Cause especially in the episode where now. Picard's like, yeah. I'm le- well, not even that, but it's like Picard's like, I'm leading the away team to the Iconian planet. And Riker's like, we've had this conversation before. Because that was the first thing that Riker said when he stepped on the bridge, like, you don't get to do away missions anymore. And yeah. mm-hmm. the discussion in Picard, just like, yeah, but I, I know the stuff and I do the thing. So I'm going to do this. And Riker's just kind of like, let me be Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and Riker's just like, okay. And the, the expression on his face is like, I'm trying to do my job. Let me do my job. But you outrank me. Go right mm-hmm. ahead. And you can just yeah. see it when on I- his face. It, I love too um, when Picard beams back onto the ship from the Romulan ship. He's like, "Well, I see now why you're hoarding all of the away, all of the away missions. They're that was so a much good fun." Deal of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and Riker's like, "I need you to be the captain of the ship, though." If you excuse me, I must go torment some adolescents. But also uh, during the Royale, you also when they're 
where they finally get communications back and Riker and Picard are talking about the situation and, you know, Riker's explaining what they're seeing and everything. And Picard's like, okay, find out more, find out more. But the scene where Riker, where Picard's finally learned about the foreign investors and he, you know, it seems like they have a sort of like wink and nod thing. Like, I'm not saying this is what you should do, but there's some foreign investors who buy the casino Mm -hmm. and Riker just has this, this grin, like game on. I love those moments where there's kind of an unspoken understanding between Riker and Picard. I love seeing those moments because it it solidifies how one thing I love about movies like Pitch Perfect, right, that always make me cry is um, think of all of the the work and or even Avengers movies too. think about the time and the work and the togetherness that these people have had. They have whole lives together. Exactly. And you see that come through in these 40 minute episodes right like Mm -hmm. these people are close and i love seeing just those tiny familial interactions is the next episode q who yes yes this is one of the most notorious continuity episodes ever like bad like bad oh no 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 it's it's like it's like they came up with a villain no it it's it's important because of what they introduce but the continuity mm. goes away immediately. Like the next time, the next time these these mm, characters yes. show up again, the yes. whole continuity's changed. But it's oh, different. Yes. it's yes. it's a trip because there's some stuff they could have and should have kept. I'm going to be very vague about it because I realize I am Commodore spoilers. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, fun episode, John Delancey. But uh, oh, yeah. th- this next bunch of episodes too. This is where i haven't seen anything coming up the last episode i watched in my watch last year was pen pals really this is all moving forward from here this is all brand new territory for me this next episode's a treat i guarantee you you'll love it yeah yeah it is all right well maybe a lot of aquarium tubing (laughs) maybe i'll go watch it she (laughs) says look at that (laughs) um but uh you know until then we are gonna keep going where no man has gone before but a lot of people have gone before thanks everybody